Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. I know it's been a while. Uh, we missed last week uh, just tons of stuff going on. Had just gotten back from a really, really long trip. Was trying to get a bunch of errands and things taken care of. Uh, and, you know, between that and just the other co-hosts' uh, schedules just didn't really work out that well. So if you haven't seen, we do have a new schedule. Uh, I re- reevaluated uh, the when everyone was free, and this just seemed to be the schedule, which is now every other Friday, so tonight, and then every other from there, and every other Wednesday opposite of that, so next Wednesday. Um, Fridays will be at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, and Wednesdays will be at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, As always, every single show is live. Every single show, uh, anyone is absolutely welcome to call on. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have me reach out to you to become a guest or whatnot. If you want to come on and talk, um, you know, and depending on our time restraint, you know, come on, kind of give your thoughts and talk a little bit. If we don't have a lot of time restraints or like like tonight, it's just going to be uh, me and Spencer. If someone wanted to come on and kind of just uh, talk for for a bit, you know, that'd be fine too. But uh, just know that that option is always there. That is uh, that is why we do it on Blog Talk Radio. It's why we do it live um, so we can kind of get your guys' input and thoughts on uh, the topics that we cover. So we have so many things on our list to talk about, uh, you know, over the next however many weeks. And, um, you know, I'm super excited to talk about a lot of those, um, in particular, more of the, um, like, tactics and, you know, ways to help people out with stuff. Um, But tonight we're going to be covering the new stuff because – that's the kind of, you know, that's the topic that once it's gone, it's gone. Um, you know, if we wait too long, then, you know, it kind of becomes old news. So we are going to cover that tonight, which will be the the five units and the uh, and the hero box uh, that, that was revealed or leaked, however you want to look at it. Um, but to kind of give, uh, you know, give you guys a little... Uh, insight to what other topics we have on the horizon. Um, we're going to be doing um, what play style are you? That's uh, that's a topic where we're going to be kind of going over if you're new to the game and you're not really sure what faction to pick, um, you know, kind of figuring out what is your play style and what faction will best suit you or factions because, you know, uh, no one faction has only one play style to it, you know, uh, just changing your commander can completely change the dynamic of your play style. So we have that. Um, how to deploy against your opponent. We had that one recently uh, requested by some of the viewers uh, for the show. Um, if everything goes as well, uh, you know, as planned, it'll be in that order. So next week should be the what play style are you? The next Friday show should be the deployment. Um, then after that, activations in 2021, uh, adding neutrals to uh, 2021 factions, uh, best objective holders in each faction, list building for the game modes, um, tons more. Um, but that that's kind of our lineup for the rest of 2021. Um, but 
the schedule is always subject to change, that's why we don't really kind of post the schedule, but I do have it laid out. Uh, I usually do it like two, three months in advance, and I schedule out what the, who the hosts are, who the guests are, what the topic is. Um, and then if I need to, I'll just I'll bump things around. If, you know, for example, uh, today wasn't necessarily going to be the new revealed units, but uh, we wanted to kind of get that in there, so we made some tweaks. But just want to give you guys a little behind the scenes of how we pick our topics. And, you know, even beyond everything I just mentioned, I mean, there's, let's see, 6, 9, 12. Um, there's about 40 other topics that we have on a on another list, which is just labeled as potential topics. And, you know, uh, we're always welcome to suggestions as well. If there's something you want to hear, we'll, we'll put it on the potential topics, and then I'll, I'll usually kind of put it more towards the top to, as a reminder that it was uh, um, requested. Um, for example, you know, we just got the, the – um, the suggestion of how to deploy against your opponent and uh, list building for game modes. Um, you know, we just got those, and you know, they're already kind of thrown in the mix, uh, some sooner than others. But you know, never, uh, never hesitate that if you want to hear something, you know, throw it out there on our Discord or even on the comments of any of the posts I make uh, on any of the Facebook pages, or you can even just uh, message me uh, directly. Anyways, with that said. Uh, we can jump into the uh, units. So first one we're gonna talk about, um, as far as the units, it's probably the one I'm the most excited about, and that's the Frozen Shore Bear Riders. Um, they are the, a very unique unit in the sense that um, they have something only uh, very unique to them and no one else so far, and that is, uh, they have four wounds per model. There's four models per tray, so they are looking at a 16-wound uh, tray. So um, they do have a free maneuver, um, like normal cavalry, but they are a four-inch move, so they are similar to the champions of the stag. Uh, they have a ranged attack, which is short range, hitting on fours, four dice, four dice. Then they have a melee attack, hitting on threes, six dice, four dice, four up save, six up morale. And then lastly, for their uh, melee attack, they have vicious, sundering, and precision, all three, no stipulation, no like needing, you know, your opponent to be so many ranks or it need to be certain uh, game round. Uh, it's, it's straight up you have vicious thundering precision all the time unless somehow something shuts it off. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, these guys are eight points. Um, so hefty price, but you have to think, six dice hitting on threes with all three of those keywords, and they have a hefty 16 wounds. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, these guys are very a very strong unit. I'm not going to say they're... They're just simply that. They're very strong. They're uh, a, a great contender, in my opinion. Um, the only thing that I think will be a potential issue is just the fact that Free Folk are a horde army and you're looking at eight-point investment. So um, you really are going to have to play these guys a lot. Um, and the reason being is you're really going to need to get the value out of them. Um, 
because they might, you know, it's too soon to tell, but they might end up suffering from what stagnites suffer from, and that's that they kind of get stuck in combat, and then they stay there as an eight-point unit, not ever really budging what it is they got engaged with. So, but I'm hoping that, you know, with that vicious thundering precision and the fact that they are faster than your average uh, bear, <laughs> um, you can, uh, you know, for the most part, pick your target, and hopefully you pick a target that's not going to bog you down. Uh, what are your thoughts, Spencer? Uh, so to echo you a bit, uh, yeah, eight points is a big investment for a horde army. But I also go, if you're looking to play even Giants or Mag the Mighty, I mean, that's kind of similar situation. And it kind of balances out that they have cheap units to kind of keep their activations up, even with an expensive unit. Um. I'm going to assume you were more talking about champions of the stag rather than stag knights for getting stuck in combat because yes. stag knights will probably grind down whatever they're in. Um, <laughs> they look interesting. Uh, all those keywords, vicious, thundering, precision, and hitting on threes with six dice at max rank, that could hurt something, and I think it's going to hurt something almost no matter what. Uh, the precision helps you if you run into a unit with harden or shield wall. Uh, you can punch some auto wounds through for that vicious. Uh, 16 wounds is going to be different for your opponent to have to adjust to. Of Oh, I can't just plan for the normal you know, 12 wounds i got to grind through. 16 wounds is something we haven't seen before. That's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I'm interested actually to play against these guys. I, I'm not a free folk player, but I'd be interested to play them. I want to see how they do and how they perform. Uh, I think they'll be just fine, but I've been wrong before. So let's get them on the tabletop and find out. Yeah, and I think some of the potential with these guys could be pretty insane. Um, for example, um, which one call it? I, I believe. Which one was it? I was just reading it. Um, even diversion tactics. Uh, one target, one one other friendly unit long range. Um, you can get a free maneuver with these guys, so you can really help with their kind of slower cavalry movement. Get a free four inch uh, maneuver, and then you activate them four inch maneuver. It's almost like you know you can use that diversion tactics to make them about as fast as like a, an average cavalry unit. Um, or a, a, a six moving cavalry unit. Um, I did just wonder, then, uh, does, does coordination tactics work with them, or is that infantry-specific? Because that could be scary with them. <laughs> no, yeah, that was the first one I thought of, because being able to give all three of those keywords to something uh, would be a little crazy. But overwhelming assault. Um, now, Let's just assume because it's an eight-point unit here, you're probably only going to get one of the effects from Overwhelming Assault, but even then, you charge in, you're going to get re-rolls as long as you don't roll that one, and you just uh, just pick Critical Blow. So now you have six dice uh, hitting on threes with re-rolls, Critical Blow, Vicious, Sundering, Precision. I mean, it may only be six dice, but unless you're facing something that has a bunch of like auto-block effects, uh, you're going to eat through some stuff pretty good um, with all those compounded uh, effects. Um, another one being uh, Endless Horde. Uh, it's de redeploy uh, or uh, deploy one free folk 
raider unit or one previously destroyed friendly free oh no sorry infantry it's oh, such a big I block of text I, I read like the first half and i'm like oh it works on them but no it's a big block of text and i found i, I ran into the infantry part as i'm as i'm uh, mentioning it here but uh i do know there is a card maybe it's a uh, tormund um that works on cavalry units uh the reason being is because I believe that's why they chose to not make um, the chariots cavalry, because the implication of the effects that uh, could stack with it. Um, or maybe it's Mag the Mighty might have uh, monster and cavalry. Can't quite remember. Um, let's see. Oh, here it is. Um, I believe it's uh, Rattleshirt. Yep. Attached uh his cards attached to one infantry or cavalry unit. So um, he has the one that gives him plus one defense. So you can give armored trophies to these bears, making them a three-up defense. Um, you can give them uh, plus one to hit. So now they're hitting on twos. Uh, <laughs> and then the other part is uh, panic-based. Uh, all enemies engaged become panicked. And then uh, whenever they perform an action while engaged with that unit, before resolving that action, the enemy becomes panicked, which will stack with that uh, with that vicious. That plus one to hit will help stack with uh, precision because if you have rerolls with any situation, since uh, since you'll hit on twos, it's kind of the old you know scenario that um, just why not reroll everything because you have just as much of a chance of rolling a one as you do getting that six to get, you know, some extra damage through. And then again, that plus one defense, having a three up with a six up morale and then 16 wounds, uh, I mean, you're going to be almost immovable. And you're really, I think, I think the more I talk about it, the rattle shirt's going to be like the go-to commander for the uh, frozen shore bear riders. Because, you know, I was, you know, as we were mentioning, eight points is a hefty investment in this unit for uh, a horde army. But if you can get all these uh, trophies, the armor, weapon, and bloody trophies on these bears, uh, you're really going to make them shine. They're going to they're going to go above and beyond their eight point worth. It's going to be like the scenario like we face a lot of times with Night's Watch, having all these cards get attached to them. Uh, and the nice part is that Rattle Shirt has the ability. Um, to go get the cards from, uh, I'll read it uh, word for word. Just so. it's um, collecting trophies after a friendly unit completes a melee attack. If it destroyed an enemy rank, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one Rattleshirt's commander tactics card and play it. Shuffle your tactics deck. So um, let's see. Yeah, it no longer has a range, which is awesome because I believe before it had like short or long, long range. Um. But now it's just, you know, just run Rattleshirt Commander. I mean, you could even, like, try a um, an elite army. I know you can already do that kind of with Mag, the Mighty, as Commander, but you've got to spend nine points for him. Uh, whereas you could consider Rattleshirt in his Bone Lord's Chosen, which is, I believe, a seven-point unit. Seven. Um, yeah. But And then you run these Frozen Shore Bear Riders for eight, you're looking at 15 points, but then, you know, if you really want to kind of keep your activation count up, just, you know, kind of fill it in with some raiders here or there and whatnot. And I think uh, you're going to have a pretty devastating force. 
I would like to point out, I, I'm kind of confused as to why this unit has a short-range attack. I, I, I don't know how often that's going to come into effect. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I like it because... It gives you a little play. Uh, I mean, with that, you know, with the scenario of, okay, the free attack is open, but I don't want to charge in and let them get an attack on me. I'll go ahead and take it and throw some arrow, uh, throw some spears at them. Um, you know, four up on four, four up on four dice. You're looking at only two hits, and they're probably only going to fail one save. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's really just kind of poking the bear, so to speak. But um, yeah, I don't know. No, I think I, it has tactical applications. These, it's just there's not many. I think that you're going to choose that over. You know what? I can just charge in and do real damage. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I agree. the the uh, The chances that you're going to use spear toss toss is going to be very slim. But it's one of those things that it's just kind of nice that it's there. I think it also just made sense thematically with the way they probably wanted to model them. Maybe, you know, because kind of like how they gave Sentinel to Sentinels, Baratheon Sentinels, it just like made sense. And, you know, the fact that they wanted uh, the unit that was called Sentinel to have the Sentinel order. So I, I wouldn't really be completely surprised if they just were given this attack because the model had, you know, riders with, you know, like a quiver full of uh, spears. Um, yeah, well, if, but, if we're going to uh, go off of that, my Thornwatch should be long-range considering they're holding two-handed crossbows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe their maybe their qualification for being a Thornwatch is you have to just be nearsighted. So really it's mm. not the length of the <laughs> of how far you can shoot. It's just they're having trouble seeing past six inches. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, um, I want to say out of the four that we're going to talk about next, I'm going to leave the one I'm uh, – go in the order of kind of um, – I'll leave the best for last, so to speak, and that way it doesn't seem like I'm ending on a, on a bad point. Um, and I'm going to try to stay optimistic. Uh, so, but I'm going to start with the one I'm probably the most disappointed with, and that's the Black Tide Chosen. Uh, to be totally honest with you, the only reason I'm disappointed with them is because they have Divide the Spoils. Uh, I have found that between the Tactics deck, between Eric Ironmaker, which is just so ridiculously good as an NCU, um, and the Bowman being so potent at four points, that you just don't need another divide the spoils. Um, you you end up getting your token so quickly that this divide the spoils. I would just rather be, you know, take away one of their other abilities and turn it into a a pillage mechanic um, of some sort. I don't know. Uh, but at seven points, divide the spoils is more of a support uh, ability but you're spending seven points for it. But uh, before I jump way too into that, I'll go over the stats. Uh, we're looking at a infantry unit with a five-inch move, three up to hit, seven, five, four, four up defense, six up morale. They have the order martial training, which is, uh, is performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, uh, may re-roll any attack dice, and a defender becomes vulnerable. 
and they have Dauntless. Each time this unit passes a morale test, it restores one wound, and then the divide the spoils, seven points. Um, I mean, I would just – I'm not saying that they're bad, by no means. Uh, I think uh, – here, let me um, pull up – and I know people say it all the time, don't compare cross-faction. I'm more so looking at it in in uh, trying to convince myself that it's not as bad as I think, but uh, compared to Sworn Brothers. So Sworn Brothers, we're looking at uh, same move, same attack profile, uh, same defense, one better morale for the brothers. Um, both have martial training. Both are seven points. And you're trading Sundering for Dauntless and Divide the Spoils. So, again, I'm going to say this, that I do not think this is a bad unit at all, because Sworn Brothers are amazing. Granted that Sundering is a big part of it, you know, combined with the martial training um, and everything that you can stack onto them with, uh, with all their Tactus cards. But uh, I, I really do think that the Black Tide Chosen are just fine but at seven points i would i just feel like they're out of place like they just don't have a place that fits well for them um because i'm definitely not taking them for that divide the spoils uh, i'd get enough uh, pillage as it is and i don't need multiple divide the spoils everywhere and bowmen are almost a staple in every list as a one of um so, I mean, I know that means you could just not take them and uh, take the Bowman and take these guys, but I feel like in 2021, it's highly encouraged to take uh, uh, a ranged unit and or a cavalry unit. Um, but I don't really care for any of the neutral cavalry options so far for Greyjoys. And so the Bowman are like my go-to to help supplement one of those two categories. Um, I know I'm kind of talking along uh, quite a bit on these guys, but I, as anyone already kind of knows, Greyjoys are kind of like my new love for the game. You know, they're my favorite faction at the moment. And these guys look cool in the art. And again, like stat for stat, I mean, they're almost, they're almost exactly equivalent to Sworn Brothers. You're just trading Sundering and one extra morale for Dauntless and Divide the Spoils. I would say that Sworn Brothers eke out a little better in that category, in my opinion, but it's still close enough, and it's a different faction. But I don't know. I just can't see myself spending seven points for a unit that has Divide the Spoils, which sounds more like a, a support ability. And that's kind of the same boat I'm in with uh, Silenced Men. Uh, the only thing you know that kind of gets me over that hump is that uh, Silence Men look so cool. Like, they're my favorite-looking models so far in the game. And, uh, you know, their support ability, their bubble, at least still applies to themselves, whereas Divide the Spoils can't. There's another implication that a lot of people don't realize with Divide the Spoils is you can't use any of the um, cards in your tactics deck that require you to remove tokens. Uh, or pillage tokens. So, for example, let me pull up uh, all the cards. Um, let's see, the Iron Price. Super, you know, awesome card. If you have two uh, um, pillage on you, and you go, okay, remove them, four wounds, a whole rank healed right then and there. 
can't do that. They can't even have a pillage on them. Um, call. You can't uh, transfer a pillage somewhere with them. Uh, and then uh, some of the, was it Eric Ironmaker? I know he's easily the worst commander, in my opinion, for Greyjoys, but a lot of his, uh, every single one of his asks you to remove a pillage. Um, he places pillage. Uh, so they can, you know, if you for every unit that you have that has that is either neutral or has divide the spoils and doesn't have the pillage mechanic, means you'll fill up all your units with pillage faster, which does it, it sounds like a good thing, but that's actually in my opinion a bad thing. I hate when I get to the point where I have a pillage but everything's already at max pillage. I feel like I'm wasting what could be potential gains especially if I haven't drawn my cards yet that let me expend them. Um, but yeah, so a little disappointed about these guys. I'm still definitely buying them. I'm still definitely going to try them out. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to give our thoughts like firsthand on these guys, on all this stuff. And it's another to, you know, go out there and still do your best to change your mind. And that's what I'm always looking to do. Anytime you see something that you're convinced is not really a great thing, you still have to give it your best. You got to go into it uh, wanting to change your mind. You can't just go into it just be like, well, I'm going to do it just to say I did it. Because more often than not, you're never going to change your mind that way. What about you, Spencer? What do you think of these guys? So I mostly agree. Um, it is a kind of a dysfunctional unit with the army uh, with the army mechanic. Like you said, you can have a much cheaper option with the bowman just to do the same kind of support situation or the, the support. Um, I think though they're they're okay on their own. Uh, they just don't wow you. Uh, again, it's another Greyjoy unit though that I go. Why does it cost? more than a reaver unit yet its attack profile is worse than a reaver um <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh dauntless is nice but it's on a six morale unit uh which makes it iffy at times now i know you could go well if we put carl in there you know now it's a nine point unit but it is a four up four up uh well i think the key uh just one quick uh step in there um the key thing to put in them would be Asha one point uh, because she makes them make a morale test. Yeah. So so you'll have it on a five. Granted, it's only a one one morale increase, but you can help proc your own Dauntless on a five up. That's but true. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. That's probably the better combo, though. I think we can both agree Asha at one point is uh, a little too good for what she does anyway. <laughs> Um, but as yeah. it stands, as it stands, yes, that that's probably the best way to do it. Um, I feel like they're going to be okay because martial. I think martial training is a very good ability. The problem is you just don't see it on enough things right now. Uh, Sworn Brothers is probably the main one you see it on, uh, but it's really good. Uh, it'll definitely help push damage. Uh, I, I don't see this as more than one of in a, in a list. I think that's part of what you're trying to get at as well. Even if it is good, you you won't take more than one. Um, Correct. It, it does suck that it doesn't really work very well with the pillage mechanic. 
four up armor, six up morale. It's just average kind of defense. Uh, uh, above average yeah. for Greyjoys. <laughs> it's above average for Greyjoys, but in the game, it's average. Uh, like yeah. you said, there's, you're also sacrificing something like the Iron Price, which would literally give you a heal. You're, you're losing some heal potential for this defense. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's going to be great. I think it'll be just okay, and you'll look at the other options in the Greyjoy faction and go, there's a better option. Uh, but not because it's like, this is bad, it's just Army wants to do. Exactly. And, you know, that's the point I'll kind of drive home is that these guys on paper, you know, just they look, they still look great, but they just feel out of place. Um, You know, seven points. I I don't know, maybe this was their vision all along now that we're seeing silenced men at seven points. These guys at seven points. Maybe even though they came out looking like the second uh, horde faction, maybe it was never really intended for them to be that way. And now we're seeing the army flush out to be a normal army. But the downside to that is I think too many players have played them with the horde mentality with all these activations and low costing stuff and great, you know, one point attachments that it's going to be hard for a lot of these people to run these new units. Um, I'm only buying two silenced men. I was thinking three, but the more I think about it, it's probably only going to be two and I'm only doing two because of how awesome I think the models look really in, practicality i think i'm i would only ever really run one uh and same with these guys these i think this is going to be the very first unit in the entire game that i'm only going to buy one of uh there is not a single unit that i don't own uh, at least two or more of for every single faction but this unit so many points for what seems to be more of a support role uh Seven points is a lot for for something that is, you know, tipping its dipping its toes in the in the support category. Because obviously, it, it still has that martial training and the dauntless and a, a decent attack profile that uh, you know they can definitely wreak some havoc. But um, that divide the spoils to me screams support. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, like I said. Still gonna play it. Still gonna try it. Still gonna do my best to make it uh, make it work. Um, you know, maybe it'll be a command bunker, or like I'd mentioned, or you mentioned, Carl or Asha in there um, to really kind of you know drive home the unit. Um, next up, we have the House Mormont Bruisers. I am excited to see another uh, Mormont unit. Um, I am. I can't wait. Uh, I am almost positive we're probably going to get Mage Mormont, like Commander or something in Hero Box 3, uh, you know, with all these uh, Mormont units coming out. Um, all right, so with that said, this is a seven-point unit, has a five-move, three-up with seven, six, five for dice, uh, five-up morale, sorry, five-up defense, six-up morale. They have Counter-Strike, and Mace and Spike, before rolling attack dice, choose one. And for each of the unit's destroyed ranks, choose an additional one. Uh, critical blow, precision, re-roll any attack dice. Um, I think these guys are in a weird spot. I think at six points, they're too good. 
seven points, I would just kind of rather take Berserkers. Um, but I, before I jump way too into detail, I'll, I'll let you kind of take this one uh, away. Spencer, what are your thoughts? So I agree with your point of it's kind of in a weird spot. It feels like a six-and-a-half-point unit, and it costs seven. Um, I really like that Mason Spike ability to be able to choose one, whichever one you need when you need it, uh, and then being able to get all, you know, multiple of them as it goes. It's nice that it only degrades one attack die per rank. Uh, that That is a nice little bonus. I don't understand the five-up armor. I think that's one thing that's going to hold it back. I think if it had a four-up armor, it would be in a much better shape. But a five-up, six-up is pretty... That, that that can fall apart pretty quickly. Um, it's another unit that I, I look at and I go at seven points. I think you can run it. I think you can be very effective with this unit because it does bring something you don't really have in the Baratheon faction, and that's precision. Uh, if I'm correct, this is the only precision you have. Uh, uh, you have um, Serio. Serial, but I, I meant as a unit uh, or an easy attachment. That's that's a two-point attachment. You're kind of paying for that precision. Uh, yeah. Precision is something that can easily push through some very durable units. Uh, I think it's actually an underappreciated keyword. There's a lot I want to like about this. Like I said, I think the armor is holding me back from saying this is a good unit. Um, yeah, especially. I would probably agree. Uh, especially in a faction that I kind of go, they they don't really, their seven-point units aren't very good, and this kind of is like, eh, it's a half step above what they already have, but it's not not a great step, and you go, this faction already has really strong six-point units, to the point that you go, what is this bringing that a six-point unit couldn't already do? Uh, you know, significantly better. Uh, Counter-Strike, I love it. I have, you know, as a Baratheon player, I have it all on my Wardens. I like it. I find it's very hit or miss, though. It's more of what are you up against as your opponent. Do they have units that are just hitting on threes so they don't, you know, miss enough for it to really do much? Or are you facing an army that's hitting on fours for the most part, and you can kind of use it to your advantage? Uh, Counter-Strike, I think, only becomes, I think it's a good ability. It only becomes a great ability when there's some minuses to hit. Which you could say, if you have Holland Reed as well, you can stack it up and make it work that way with this unit. Uh, I see potential, and I... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say you could put Syria. I know he gives precision, but it helps you not have to pick precision. Uh, you could put Syria in these guys, gives them Agile, and then run Holland um, uh, NCU, give him minus two. You can. And like you said, then you'd always have precision, and you could just pick between the other two. And if you lose a rank, then you can do both. Uh, that could be a good combo, but now you're talking nine-point unit to have that even working. Uh, yep. That, that's a hefty investment in a unit that I don't know if it can has the offensive punch to punch through the really hard stuff. Um, I want to like it. I want to play with them. I don't see more than one at a you know more than one unit on a battlefield at a time. I think they can bring some interesting diversity to your list, but again, the six point units I think if you're looking competitively are going to bring more 
value for their points. Um, that's probably where they're going to stand until I can actually get them on the table and see what they can do. Yep. And so I think the only thing that these guys really have over the berserkers is they'll give you those keywords. But again, you can, you know, for one, it's one point more. So you, you ask yourself berserkers plus any one point attachment I can think of. Um, seven points is that rough spot. Like you're saying, Starks actually have a lot of great six point units. And so, and as I've mentioned before, um, Starks have the best generic um, attachments in the game. You know, they might not have the best named or unique attachments, but they have the best generic. And so when you're talking about a bunch of best one-point generic attachments in a faction, that six points plus any one of those one-pointers making seven points, it makes the seven-point Stark units really suffer. And that's why, like, you know, all the other seven-pointers don't see a lot of play. Even... The Tully Cavaliers uh, are seeing not seeing a lot of play, and I don't think it's necessarily because of Lance. I think the Lance ability is just fine, um, and because I know that's getting a change, uh, I think it's just you know that six point unit plus a one point or a two point attachment brings you back to that eight point, and Starks have a little bit of that um, maneuverability to not need the cavalry as much as another faction might. So these guys will be interesting. I I think, uh, you know, they're not in that realm that they're like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to run these guys. I'll definitely run them quite a bit because I think they do have a lot of potential. It's just going to be getting over that uh, mentality of, you know, would I have just rather have taken one of the six-pointers, you know, Sworn Shields, Berserkers, even Bowman, if you didn't already have a ranged unit in the list, over these guys, saving yourself a point to either take an attachment in that six-point unit, turning one of your four-point NCUs into a five-point. Maybe you just needed exactly one point to, uh, you know, throw in another NCU or this or that. So... It's gonna. It'll be interesting to see where these guys fall, but I think I agree with you. The biggest thing holding these guys back is that five defense. Um, these guys look so armored, and then they have that buckler. Uh, it's just weird that they would have a five up based on just how they look. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe maybe it would have been a little better if instead of counter strike they had like an agile or something. You know, take away that hit back, but give that minus one to hit to help with that five up defense. But I don't know. Uh, Again, we'll have to kind of see how these guys uh, flesh out. Next up, we have the Shadow Tower Spearmen. They are a seven point Night's Watch unit with a five move, three up to hit, seven, seven, four, uh, four up defense, five up morale as usual for Night's Watch. And they have the order set for charge. When this unit is successfully charged from the front of the flank, uh, if this unit is not engaged with another enemy, it performs one melee attack action on the attacker before they resolve their melee attack and has unyielding. This suffers minus one wound from failing panic test for each of its destroyed ranks. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest. This unit, completely fair at seven points. I think a great seven-point unit for Night's Watch. Uh, I think very fair uh, and really thematic and cool. 
uh, I'm going to throw it out there that uh, the only thing holding these guys back is just how ridiculously amazing the other seven-point uh, Night's Watch units are. Uh, so I, with that said, even though these guys are completely fair and strong for seven points, you're probably almost never going to see them for the fact that uh, all the other seven-pointers are so good. Like, they're just crazy good for seven points with the exception of ranger trackers i think ranger trackers are again same category as these guys uh, i know a lot of people think they're a little weak but that's just because you're comparing them to these other amazing seven point nice watch units i think ranger trackers and these guys are like dead on they're spot on for their points but it's just when you have sworn brothers and crossbowmen and ranger hunters as these seven-point units that are just doing way more than I believe their seven-point value should be, that, you know, it makes these guys look not as desirable. Um, but, you know, these guys have just enough boost to justify their seven-point over, let's say, the comparison of the Lannister Halberdiers, who are six points, that are very similar. But they have just enough a boost uh, to justify that that. Uh, one extra point. What do you think? So, yeah, I'm going to definitely echo you. I I think if this unit was pretty much in any other faction, it would definitely see play. But if you're talking competitively in Night's Watch, this one's going to get overshadowed by by crossbow. Well, crossbows, I know, do a different role, but just crossbows, ranger, tra- or ranger hunters, and... Uh, Sworn Brothers, just they have three already extremely powerful and dynamic seven-point units that this one I think is going to get lost, um, which is a shame because I think this is a great unit. Uh, yeah, that this it's unfortunate that as soon as they reveal this, I'm like, great, Night's Watch gets another good unit, and other armies get iffy <laughs> units. Um, uh, it, it is what it is, though. Um, hopefully, with the fixes that are coming, maybe they'll fix some of the problems with Night's Watch and tone down some of the powerful units. I know they kind of mostly talked about the combos that they're going to try and reduce, which I guess is still something, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I, it's almost a shame when you go, this unit looks really good, and it probably won't see any competitive play. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh yeah, that that's definitely kind of, you know, a shame when something is like really good but it's just overshadowed by other things that, you know, there's a good chance that it might not really see play competitively and even casually um, you know, it might only kind of get thrown in the list here or there to just kind of mix things up. But uh we'll see. Again, completely be we could be completely wrong. Maybe there's some interactions not thinking about between the cards and this and that. But, uh, you know, it has set for charge, so you're wanting to be charged. But for seven points, you can't just kind of sit back and wait for your opponent to do something because then they could just, uh, you know, play chicken and, you know, just wait you out with a unit that costs less points. And now your seven-point unit's sitting there, you know, doing nothing. So... Oh, we'll see. And then the unyielding, you know, with a five-up morale, your morale is so good that 
unyielding just kind of compounds that already great morale test. So it's just like, oh, if I somehow fail, I might fail. <laughs> but then again, you could say that with berserkers too, because berserkers have a five-up morale with unyielding. Um, but granted, again, berserkers, six points, seven point, and these guys, seven point range. So it's a little different, but I still think these guys are great. Uh, seven, seven, four, hitting on threes. They may not have a keyword, but that's still it, having to take them down to last rank to really diminish their attack dice is always uh, a great thing. Um, then last up for the units, we have the Lannisport City Watch for Lannisters. They are infantry with a five-inch move, uh, melee attack of four up to hit, seven, seven, four, a four up defense, a seven up morale. They are a six-point unit. They have the order adaptive style. When this unit attacks or is attacked before attack dice are rolled, choose one. This unit gains plus one to defense uh, dice rolls, or this unit's attack deal plus one hit for each of the unit's remaining ranks. And then it has domineering pride. While engaged by an enemy with fewer remaining ranks, this unit automatically passes all panic tests. So I'm going to throw one little point out there before we dive into this, that yes, compared to Red Cloaks, you're, you would probably never run these guys over Red Cloaks, but I mean, Red Cloaks are just crazy good for their points. Uh, so let's just kind of take them out of the equation because it's just, I don't know, they're, they're a six-point unit that's hitting on threes with, you know, these crazy abilities. So comparing them to the Lannisport, which I think are st still a great six-point unit, they just kind of do different roles, and the, the Red Cloaks are just amazing at what they do. Um, with that said, uh, Spencer, I'll let you kind of take it away with these guys. So, yeah, the the problem for Lannisters when you talk about any of their things is red cloaks are a thing. I do kind of expect them to get some kind of toned down when the update comes, but that is not what we're here to talk about. So, Lannisport City Watch. I think if you take red cloaks out of the equation, this might be their best six-point unit after red cloaks. It brings so much to the table. The versatility of its order to be okay, I need to be defensive this for this round of attack, or I don't think I, I think I can weather an attack. I'm going to be offensive now and hit harder. You know, 7-7-4, seven, seven, yeah, you're only hitting on fours, but still, 7-7-4, seven, seven, and then going, I do three auto hits. Yeah, that that's going to cause some damage to stuff. Domineering Pride, it's nice. I don't think you can count on it unless you're actually trying, like if you're trying to panic someone down or you hit them first. Like if this unit gets on the charge, it might be able with the uh, plus hits to take out a rank anyway. And then it's okay. I pass all panic tests, which is a big deal, honestly, uh, being able to pass all panic tests. So, cause that's kind of the unit's weakness. When I look at it, I go, yeah, it's got the four up armor, but it can be a three up armor, but the seven morale is where it's weakness is. That's where you're going to probably try and hurt this unit. So if you can get engaged with a weaker unit or even a cavalry unit, because it's already a fewer ranks, you're auto-passing all panic tests. Uh, I still don't recommend taking a charge from Flademen. That just won't go bad. It won't go well. But that won't go well for almost anybody. 
Um, <laughs> I, I see a lot of potential in this unit. I would probably play two of these if Red Cloaks weren't a thing. And in casual games, I probably will be making lists with two of these guys because they look fun and interesting to play. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to get playing with this unit. <laughs> I agree. I think these guys are the best, um, probably the the most fair uh, and easily implementable uh, unit into a faction out of the five that we're discussing. Because um, even though the bears are the, my favorite of the revealed, um, we already mentioned eight points is a hefty price to try to fit in a horde faction. This unit, the cheapest unit of all five, uh, is going to be the easiest to implement as long as you can just get past that whole red cloak shenanigans. Um, you know, these guys, like you mentioned, cavalry or even uh, even solos of any kind, you know, dragons. I know dragons are still going to do a crazy number of auto wounds, but um, that means you never have to worry about your order being the defense dice, and you'll always have domineering pride, meaning that vicious panic test will always auto-pass. So then you can always use your adaptive style to have, you know, probably... uh, you know, well, it's plus one hit for each of the remaining ranks. So, I mean, these guys are hitting on a one plus, uh, you know, at full ranks, a two plus at two ranks, and a three plus at one rank. So, I'm surprised these guys weren't like a five up to hit or I don't know. I guess five up to hit wouldn't make sense if they don't choose to do the order for the hits. But, you know, or maybe it was completely intentional that they wanted a one plus to hit to basically be like, look, you got to have a bunch of minuses for this to even matter. Um, maybe this unit was supposed to be, not necessarily to call it a silver bullet, but you know that that direct answer to uh, factions that have a bunch of things that minus to hit. Um, uh, I'm going to cut in here. Go, yep. It's plus one hit for every rank, not plus one two hit. Oh, okay, yep. Yep, I see what you're saying now. Yep, so it would be it would be uh, just three uh, or one auto hit for every remaining rank. Um, so yep, I was reading that wrong. Um, but still, uh, either way would make it amazing because um, a lot of other factions, you know, with the whatever the Spearwives ability is, um, is it like a coordinated, coordinated assault or assault. something? Yeah, so they have to do it on the charge to get that. Or the Lance ability has to do it on the charge to get that. These guys, you know, kind of changing, switching gears here to talk about the hits instead of plus to hit, um, you know, these guys will get it automatically. Like, you know, let's say you charge in and you whiff completely with all seven dice hitting on fours with re-rolls or whatnot. Or let's say you roll the one um, and now you... Uh, can't get re-rolls and you whiff. This is three auto-hits, so they're still at least going to take some saves. But on average, let's say even the lower half of average of seven dice with four up, you know, you should hit with three of them. So, and then the plus three means you have six hits. Or even best-case scenario, you have ten. Um, ten uh, hits back at the at the opponent. So, 
I think these guys would be actually a decent uh, answer to um, dragons, to be honest, especially if you try to combine it with some healing, like uh, um, the High Sparrow uh, NCU um, here or there, you know, make some other things, fail some panic tests. Now, I guess, you know, if it's all an all-dragon list, then chances are that the High Sparrow NCU isn't really going to do much, but... Um, but still, I think these guys would not be a horrible option against dragons. Um, I was even thinking getting an active uh, Lannister pays his debts for plus one to hit and vicious on this unit. You could get pretty scary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, three up to hit with seven dice, three auto hits and vicious could be pretty crazy. Um, this would be... Is there any, like, commanders that can go in these guys that would be pretty cool? Um, um, if you really wanted to be interesting, you could probably do something like, uh, actually, Jamie Lannister. Gives them a uh, disrupt and counter strike. And then he's got a card to auto-pass a panic test if you need to. Uh, he can give them re-rolls, uh, I believe, vulnerable and something else. High- highest attack die value. Not that these guys degrade a lot, but uh, he- he's got some options. Uh, is he the yep. best commander? No, but he could be interesting in this unit. Um, Tywin but, obviously can go in but, pretty much any unit. The Mountain could go in any unit. Um, oh, I don't think I'd put. I don't think I'd put the High Sparrow in here. Yeah, the Mountain would, would be interesting. High Sparrow is the first one. The High Sparrow is the first one I was thinking of, and I would agree. I wouldn't really put him there. But, yeah, the Mountain, because now you have two auto wounds combined with three auto hits. Um, but, yeah, I would, say, I would say the two top choices for me would be Jamie and the Mountain. Tywin isn't bad, really, in any unit, in my opinion. Uh, he just has better strengths with certain units. He's not really bad with any of them. Um, I think the High problem Sparrow, is the morale, because Lannister Supremacy, you don't want to be losing rank, so it kind of doesn't work as well with this unit. Yeah, but you could also give that plus one, like you get charged on, you do that plus one to hit, um, or plus one defense, I'm sorry, uh, and have that three up, mitigate that um, that loss, possibly not take any, like, a, not take a full rank. And then they take a hit back, putting you in that domineering pride, uh, you know, having more ranks at that point. I think it could pay off. I think it would just hinder on whether or not that plus one defense uh, could help keep you from losing a rank. But even if you do, uh, uh uh, supremacy at minus two plus two to the damage could still take a rank off of them um, putting you guys back to equal that way when you attack yeah. back but I, I, I definitely think the mountain uh, is the most interesting and followed by Jamie yep alright so we'll jump into the Greyjoy Hero Box 2 uh, first we're going to talk about the attachments. So first one we have here is a one point. It's Dagmar Clefjaw. He is, he gives battle scars. Uh, after this unit is attacked, place one order token on Dagmar's uh, unit. This unit's melee attacks gain the following based on the number of tokens. One token vicious, 
uh, two tokens, uh, Sundering Vicious, three tokens. They always attack at their highest attack die value and may reroll all attack dice and Vicious Sundering. So uh, a great one-point attachment. Bellawas has this very same thing for one point, and he's awesome at one point with that ability. Um, first thoughts I had for the, him is uh, just put him in Iron Makers. Um, and we'll talk about it later, but you can now boost um, the Iron Maker's morale with a, with an influence. So you points for the unit, but you're putting him in a unit that's going to survive because you want them to get hit and hit and hit to get all these effects. With Greyjoy's abilities to heal and transfer wounds and all that stuff, you're going to, you know, having a Iron Maker unit that has uh, vicious sundering critical blow always seven dice always re-rolling is going to put a lot of hurt on a lot of things what do you think i was thinking silence men uh personally silence, um, men, silence men already have sundering though do they oh okay mm-hmm. um yeah i was thinking silence men just felt like this seems to work with their once because the first token is vicious so vicious, thundering, and then uh, on top of their pillage mechanic to be minus two morale. So it's like, all right, I'm going to hit you, and now you're going to be minus four. Um, I, I, mean, I can see that another one, doing some damage. Yeah. Well, another one could be the the um, Black Tide chosen. Uh, it's just unfortunate that um, a lot of the units already have the keywords, especially the first two tokens. So Reapers have Vicious. Reavers and Silencemen have Sundering. You're not going to obviously put them in Bowmen because it's only melee attacks. And your Trappers, I would not invest one point to give the Trappers these abilities, my personal opinion. Um, So really you're left with uh, neutral units, or if we're just talking Greyjoys, it's uh, Iron Makers, and uh, the Black Tide wouldn't be bad either because I was mentioning how they don't have any uh, keywords and that Sundering combined with Martial Training could actually be pretty cool. Um, but then again, always re-rolling highest attack die value. They already have re-rolls with Martial Training. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think maybe he was meant for Iron Makers the more I talk about it. But but at one point, I, I definitely can see him in a bunch of lists. Um all right, Baylor Black Tide, two-point attachment, which gives courage and unyielding. Uh, in my opinion, very fair two points. Boldness to courage is, in my opinion, a point-and-a-half ability, and unyielding is about a half – sorry, a boldness to courage is about a point-and-a-half, uh, point and unyielding is about a half a point. So it's, about a, it's a really fair two-point, in my opinion. Um, First thing I thought to put him in is just Reavers. Uh, two points is a lot to invest in attachments, and so you're going to usually want it in a lower point unit, and making it on uh, Reavers makes their attack pro- profile 8, 7, uh, six. 6, I think. Yep. Yeah, 8, 7, 6, so only degrading one die each rank. Being at eight dice, having the ability to hit on twos immediately, or not immediately, but you know what I mean. Before you ever see combat, you could hit on twos. And then unyielding really helps uh, keep them alive 
combined with all that healing that Greyjoys do. What do you think about this guy? Uh, I would echo your thoughts. That seems to be the best unit for him. Uh, you could do something like Reapers, I think, and it would still be okay. Uh, but now you're at an eight-point unit, and it's starting to get iffy of whether or not that's worth it. Reapers or Reavers seem to be the obvious choice to me. Well, that and it, it doesn't help that uh, all the other attack profiles aren't as uh, enticing because you got trappers that are a six-six-three. Um, I think so. And so you're looking at seven-six-six, which isn't horrible. That it's decent. Um, but for two points, I mean, now you're looking at a six-point unit. Um, and then all the other units, as you were kind of mentioning uh, when we were talking about the Black Tide, you know, you have Reapers at six, uh, Ironmakers, uh, Soundsmen, and Black Tide at seven. All four of those units have the same attack profile, hitting on threes, seven, five, four. So you're looking at uh, eight, seven, five. Um, which isn't horrible, again, but I don't know. For for seven points, if you put them in Reavers, uh, you're looking at, you know, a much better and much more attractive uh, attack profile. All right. Um, I can hear the TV in your uh, in the background there. Um, Let's see. I don't even know how to say his name. Um, the Slave of Rolor. Uh, it's Mo Corio. Or Coro. Um, he is also a two-point attachment. He gives two orders. He has the order Insight. When this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains Vicious and rolls its highest attack die value. And Supply Aid. At the start of a friendly turn, this unit suffers up to three wounds and restore one wound plus that uh, the, as many as you suffered uh, and uh, one other friendly unit in long range restores that many. I said that all weird, but basically it's the same uh, ability that the conscripts have that um, um, what's his face from uh, Baratheon Davos. has uh, Davos. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm going to say I want to like this guy a lot. The problem is supply aid you want to put on um, a squishier unit, a unit you don't mind losing ranks. And Greyjoys, that means bowmen, uh, trappers, or reavers. Obviously, is not going to take advantage of that insight, so you're paying two points for supply aid. So that's kind of out of the question. Um, trappers wouldn't be horrible, but I don't really, knowing that I'm paying six points for a trapper unit, to me almost feels like I'm defeating the purpose of the supply aid. You know, I'm taking away from a six-point unit to give to possibly a five or six-point unit. And then that vicious, or the insight to give the vicious and highest attack die, they, their highest attack die is only six dice. Um, so it might give them a little bit of a bite, but Again, I don't really feel like I'm getting my values worth with these abilities. And then lastly, out of the ones I mentioned, um, you're looking at uh, Reavers. Reavers I don't think would be a horrible option. But then again, seven points, 
for that unit, do I really want to be moving uh, wounds from this unit to another unit? Maybe, but I feel like the chances are pretty slim. The The nice thing about conscripts is it's a cheapo four-point unit that you're getting this ability with. The nice thing about Davos is you put them in Lightbringers or Wardens, and you're healing up your Stagnites or Champions of the Stag or whatnot, and super useful. This ability, this combo, I should say, Insight with Supply Aid, it just doesn't fit anywhere, in my opinion. Be more than happy to pay two points for Supply Aid, and as long as it was some other ability than Insight, just something that meshed better, then I would gladly pay the two points, especially in Greyjoys that like healing. But I just can't find a fit for this guy. Uh, I've tried running through every every unit, but you know when you get to Reapers or higher, you just end up spending way too many points for a unit that you want to get in there in the action to fight. And the last thing you want to do is be removing models from that unit to supply another unit. What do you think? So I'd personally probably put them in Trappers, keep it somewhat cheap. And uh, still able to kind of use both keywords like or both uh, abilities, like you said, it's kind of just dysfunctional. They just they don't mesh very well. Not that these the, not that these abilities combined are not worth two points. The problem is they don't fit anything you want to put them in. Um, uh, I also look at supply aid and I just go, Greyjoys already have so much healing. I know you can't ever have too much healing. But at the same time, I go, I feel like it kind of devalues it almost a little, where you're like, for this army, because there's already so much healing, this isn't as vital of an ability to have. Um, whereas, you know, the conscripts, it's like, well, Amon's kind of our only other healing other than take the black. Well, yeah, being able to heal when I need it is amazing. Uh, or Davos being able to heal and a faction that struggles to heal can be amazing. Whereas this doesn't feel as an effective of a choice for your points to be invested in. Um, I think he'll see people trying him out for casual games. I don't know about competitive though. Yeah, I, I agree that when it's all said and done, when I do finally go to try him, because I'll try everything as, you know, I'll keep putting it out there because I don't want people to think that I'm going to complain about this stuff and then never even give it a chance. You know, especially this. Greyjoys, I absolutely love my Greyjoys. I'm going to be trying all this stuff out a ton. But the very first thing I'm going to be throwing him in is probably the Trappers. Uh, maybe Reavers next after that. But... Uh, I might try them in some other stuff just to say I have, but really those are the only two that kind of jump out at me as like worth um, even trying with him, but we'll see. Uh, I want to like him, um, kind of see how it, uh, how it plays out. Last part, uh, the last uh, one, we have Asha Greyjoy, Lady Greyjoy is the um, title. She is two points and gives the Order Sentinel after another friendly unit is in long range is attacked. This unit performs one charge or maneuver action. If charging, it must target the attacker, and it gives Gang Up. All friendly units' melee attacks get plus one to hit and plus one attack die on enemies that are engaged with this unit 
and at least one other friendly unit. Um, I'll let you take it away on this one. What do you think of Asha? Uh, get rid of her and take the other Asha. Um, <laughs> the, the other Asha is so good that it almost pale, you know, it diminishes almost any other option. Uh, that being said, though, looking at this option, I want to like her, but I don't know where I'd put her. Again, you could put her in trappers, or uh, yeah, trappers, and be like, okay, I have disrupt. If I'm engaged with another unit, you know, if another unit, they get plus one attack and uh, what was it, plus one attack and plus one to hit. Sentinel's okay. Like, Sentinel makes me go, I want to put it in Reapers or Reavers. But uh, if you already have Pillage tokens, the Reavers aren't going to benefit from gang up at all, other than plus one attack die. Uh, I feel like she she's going to struggle to find an appropriate unit to go in to be cost-effective. Because you can obviously put her in a 7-point unit and be 9 points, but you, for 2-point attachment, you always want to keep it in a, on the low end, on a low-end unit. So I'm looking at trappers. Okay, she can do some stuff with trappers, but trappers don't do any damage, really. Uh, you could put her with reavers, make them fast, but they don't really benefit from gang up once they get their pillage tokens. I mean, plus one attack is good, but is that an extra point-worthy good? I don't know. That's for you to decide. Um, she, she's not going to really go in much else. Maybe Reapers, like I said. I, I just I struggle to see a, a a good place to put her. Yeah. I think uh, you're kind of dead on Reapers, I think, is going to be the key place to put her. And then what you do is... You uh, you run some trappers, charge in with your trappers, knowing that when they swing back, it's going to be at minus one, and it's going to trigger sentinel, allowing you to then charge in um, either with sentinel or with your actual activation, because Greyjoy should out-activate most uh, lists and factions. Um, so being able to then get a free charge or a, a free maneuver and then be in position to charge will get you that gang up. So now you have your Reapers hitting on, uh, assuming this is the early part of the game, you're going to have Reapers hitting on um, twos with eight dice and vicious. And then when you know everything goes full circle and it's the opponent's turn again to swing, he's now going to be engaged with trappers and reapers and have minus one to hit. And after having taken a pretty nasty hit from reapers and who knows how many wounds the trappers would have taken out. So I think there's some potential, but as you're saying, one, not even just comparing straight up Asha uh, to the, this Asha to the one point Asha, but uh, comparing this Asha to one point Asha with one point Carl, both in the same unit. You ask yourself, would I rather pay two points to have expert duelist war cry and an auto five up morale, no matter what unit I'm in or Sentinel and gang up in which case gang up doesn't work on, uh, you know, your, your workhorse of your faction, which is reavers. I mean, it could like at first before you start getting your tokens, but, uh, you know, if if you're like me and 
your first option for Eric is to place tokens on the Reavers. Uh, they're already hitting on threes, if not then fours shortly after. Um, so, yeah, I I want to like her a lot. I love the Sentinel ability. I love the tactics it, it provides to an army and the kind of mind game you can play with your opponent. But, yeah, I when you compare it to Asha and even just Asha alone, if you're looking to save a point, or Asha and Carl having two attachments in one unit and getting all that benefit, um, it just it makes her very hard to take. All right, um, moving on, we have the NCUs. Uh, we'll jump right into Asha again. She has a four-point NCU, and this is the one I was kind of alluding to when talking about uh, Dagmir uh, in some Iron Makers. Her influence is when influencing a friendly unit, that uh, that unit gains plus one to morale test rolls for each pillage token on it. If that unit has two pillage tokens, it suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests. So uh, if you have Cleft Jaw in some Iron Makers, you can influence them with her and essentially still ha you know, have that uh, a two-up save with a five-up morale, really soaking all that damage, and then getting these uh, battle scar tokens to get these effects. Um, but overall, I think she's, a, she's awesome at four points. I think she's very fair, uh, really cool with the faction, but as we were mentioning, now you can't take her one-point option. And that's kind of also the downside with her commander. You know, we're not really going to dive into her commander in this show, but, you know, uh, her one-point attachment is just ridiculously good that she's in, like, 95% of my list. She would be in 100% of my list if it wasn't for wanting to run some Asha commander lists and me actually telling myself, okay, let's let's make some lists without her. Let's let's try to experiment here. Let's try to use some things I don't usually use. But like she's just that ridiculously good that she's basically an auto include at the one point option, which is a shame. You know, kinda of talking about talking back about things that are very strong, very good, but are just overshadowed by the other um options. Uh, available. What do you think? So yeah, she suffers from that problem. Uh, I I do think though, if her one point attachment gets changed or takes a, a an adjustment, I don't know how the, the you know the designers might want to look at it. I do think she might get adjusted because I I think other players have seen the same thing as you, where it's just she's such a no brain. The one point attachment is such a no brainer that you take it, uh, no matter what, pretty much. Um, if it changes, I think you'll see a lot of this version of Asha. I think she's Asha. She's, this is a really good, this is a good four point for the army. It, it really does help it. Um, I, I want to, I, I, I know you keep saying like iron makers. I could see it in almost any unit. You could, you could see this getting influencing. Um, you can never have too much morale in this game. So, <laughs> yep. And uh, panic resistance is always good with the minus one to panic damage. I think if something happens to the one-point attachment, you'll see this about an equal amount as the one-point attachment. Or even, um, you know, you if you if you're let's say you're a Greyjoy player out there listening, and you face a lot of uh, 
Lannister, like let's say your main opponent is Lannister and you face a lot of Lannister supremacy, you could really give the middle finger to Lannister supremacy if you go, okay, I'm going to run a, a Balon list. He's in some silenced men. They have two pillage on them. So I'm going to then influence with Asha and attack you. Okay, are you going to proc that uh, Lannister supremacy? Probably not because I am now a morale of uh, what? A, like a, a what are they normally? Are they like a four or a five? They're a five. Five. Balon gives makes them a four. Asha makes them a two with minus four to the damage. Minus one from Asha, minus one from Balon, minus two from the pillage effect of the of the silence men. Um Good luck getting I'm damage. To, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you know, I base I auto pass in any situation, basically, you know, even like some of the Lannisters, like craziest combos to make it as bad as it can be would still barely scratch you. Um, so, but that's like the extreme end, you know, like you were saying, there's really no bad option to put her in. You could even be like, you know what? The, my bowmen are sitting on an objective and, uh, they're trying to crown zap me. Well, I'm going to keep putting Asha on them every turn because I don't really need her anywhere else because now they're going to be a six-up morale with minus one to the damage. So even if, well, a seven if you're crown zapping them, but you're looking at... It wouldn't work. If you failed it. Bowman don't have pillage. Oh, oh yeah, you're correct. Uh, you know, go, I guess that oh, yeah, goes back to the whole... <laughs> Yes, trappers. We'll change it to trappers because similar situation. Trappers are also an eight morale. Um, so you're looking at a six up, a seven up with the crown zap, and now you're like, okay, well, even if I fail this 50-50 uh, morale check or panic test, uh, I still have a 33% uh, chance of not taking any damage because of that minus one wound from, from failing. Um, she has a lot of uh, great options. Versatility. Even... Yeah, versatility, and even just like Reapers. Reapers have a six-up morale. Um, you put her on them, uh, they could just be a stock six-point Reaper unit with no attachment. Stick her on them. Now you have that four-up morale with a minus-one damage, uh, if assuming they have two pillage. Um, and, uh, you know, she she and the fact that she's an influence can go wherever she needs to go, you know, like, oh, great. You have uh, a vicious unit over on this side of the every round. I could be like, okay, let's let's throw Asha there. Let's mitigate that vicious. Oh, that unit died or is off doing something else now. Okay, let's let's put her over here. Let's make sure this tank of a unit never dies and so on. So I absolutely love her. Um, I think uh, the, her one point attachment is the only thing holding her back. Um, all right. Next up, we have Christopher. Botley, Lord of Lords Sport, uh, four-point NCU. He has two once-per-games. The first one is uh, at the start of the round, you may select one tactic zone. If you do, that zone may not be claimed this round. So by, uh, by either player, essentially, with the way it's worded. And then also a once-per-game, when an enemy NCU activates, you may select two tactic zones. If that NCU claims either zone this round, or this activation, sorry, uh, target one enemy combat unit, it becomes panicked and vulnerable. 
be totally honest with you, I really want to like this guy. Uh, I would easily take him if his uh, his first once per game, the select a zone and it can't be claimed this round, if it just had two order tokens and it could be used twice, and just remove the other one, remove that other effect of the panic vulnerable, this would really boost only wanting to run two NCUs. Let's say you wanted to just really focus on the on your combat units, especially in a two-list format. You could run him and, like, Eric, Ironmaker, or someone else, just another four-pointer, points in your NCUs, knowing two key rounds, you can basically shut off one of your opponent's NCUs for the fact that um, one tactics board spot won't be able to be taken, especially if it's a zone they need and they don't have a way to unlock it, let's say with like uh, Peter's once per game effect or Alistair to swap to a zone. Um, I guess you could still Alistair. Uh, um, maybe. So this may not be claimed. No, because claiming great you, when you start it, so Alistair would still be able to move to it because it's not claiming the zone anymore. Correct. Yep, you're correct. So Same with Peter's one yeah, per game. You, you just count as controlling yep. it. You haven't claimed it. So, yeah, unless you have uh, an ability that lets you do something like that, you can keep two key zones away from your opponent, uh, not, not to mention eliminate one of the spots so that their third NCU can't go anywhere. Um, I would love, like, as is, I'm going to have a very hard time ever justifying him over Wendemir, Asha, Eric, even Aaron, um, or even Harlaw. All of the other four-pointers are just so darn good that I just don't think I could ever see myself running him. Um, unless, like I said, if his first once-per-game part was just two order tokens, and that was it, and you get rid of that panic vulnerable once-per-game part, um, so like a lateral change, I'd gladly take him in plenty of lists where I only feel like running two NCUs. What do you think? So I think he's situational. I go, I think actually with like Victarion, he could be good because then you have four cards to replace zone effects and you can go, okay, start of my opponent's round. He can't take the swords ever. And then, you know, you can go, I can just replace my zones with a free attack if I want. Um, he he is going to struggle though I think because it, it seems like he's going to be very niche of whether or not he can be used uh, the second ability is just kind of meh it, it's okay it's nothing special though uh, and like you said there, there's better four or there's more I, I don't know how I want to phrase it there's more viable I guess I'm going to call it viable four point NCUs like you said uh, Eric Ironmaker, Asha and Wendemir are all really, really good for four points. Uh, and you know what you're going to get out of them. Whereas he, him, I feel like he's a little harder to justify, of, or not justify, but explain how his, his value is coming in. Um, whereas the other ones are giving you constant value. It's The once per yep. game, you know, a once per game effect is really hard to, to define of how is how much is this actually worth. Uh and I think that's why he's going to struggle is it's going to be, he's really hard to define. And so you'll just take something easier and more consistent. Um, but I, I do think that there is a build out there that can utilize him far better 
than the others, and I do think it's Victorian off the top of my head. Uh, maybe even uh, Euron. Euron might be able to, with his mind games, I believe, be able to, uh, to benefit from it. Uh, you know, shut off a zone that they want, but then it's like, okay, if you want to activate, you're going to give me the mind zone or mind, mind game zone as well. I, I see potential. Card, I just don't though, think it's going to pan out. Not consistently. Yeah. The downside of the mind games card, though, is always the timing because it's a um, start of a friendly turn, I believe. Um, so you can't like do You can't be like, okay, shut off this zone uh, when your opponent's going first and then play mind games and then shut off or like do that effect on another zone. You would, um, you would need to, he would have to, your opponent would then take a zone. You would then play that card and have to take a different zone. Like, it's a really good card. I love that card, but it's it's tricky to get it to work exactly the way you want it. But yeah, we'll see. Um, there's maybe some combos out there with him that I have not seen. Maybe there's stuff to come that will really like make him shine, but as is, uh, he's definitely the weakest of all the four-point options Greyjoys have. Um, next up, we have Mokorio, um, if I'm saying that right. He has Rulor's Magics. Uh, he begins with two order tokens on him. Each time he claims his own, you may remove one order token from him. If you do, look at the top card of any tactics deck. You may then shuffle that deck. And once per game, when he claims his own, you may replace that zone's effect with return one previously destroyed friendly attachment to a friendly combat unit, replacing a model as usual, but ignoring the usual attachment limits. So... I, he's definitely playable, and he's definitely going to be a kind of cool uh, um, thing that you can do. My only problem with him is that Harlaw is just, let's say you just take the the look at the top card part, and you compare it to Harlaw's two tokens to basically Mulligan, uh, and net you one card, um, Harlaw is clearly better. And then he's five points, Harlow's four. And for that one point, you just take Jack and uh, one point attachment to get a previously destroyed friendly attachment. The only upside uh, to the um, NCU one is that you can ignore attachment limits uh, doing this. But the upside to Jacken is he can um, do friendly enemy. He can constantly change over and over and over, you know, once per round because it's an order, but still, um, I think taking Harlaw and then Jacken for five points total over him for five points total is just way more uh, uh, versatile. It's way more uh, useful. But with that said, he is still different. Being able to look at the top card of your opponent's deck uh, is something. The fact that you then shuffle it. I mean, it would be nice if you could just be like, okay, take that car, put that card aside, shuffle it, and then put it on the bottom or something would be way cooler because looking at it and then shuffling it, there is still that random chance that it's the top card or the top two cards because if they take the uh, uh, letters, they could still end up drawing it within those two cards. So, um, yeah, I don't know about him, but I definitely am optimistic uh, for his potential. What do you think of him? Um, again, I, I don't see his great value. Uh, 
I also think it's hilarious if you were to draw their top or look at their top card and it's like their worst card. And it's like, great, now I'm going to shuffle it. And it now might not be the top card. Um, it, well, it's kind of a risk to. to do that. Huh? You don't have to You don't shuffle. have to shuffle? Okay. It says you um, may. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's still it's kind of a high – it's a risky maneuver to even do. Um I think there's more value in other units because it's five points. I think if this was a four-point NCU, I think it would be interesting. At five, it's not. Um, personally, though, I don't like, and we're gonna you're going to hear me echo it again, this again later on, I don't like that they're starting to bring in effects that allow you to interact with your opponent's tactics deck, um, or tactics deck or tactics hand. Uh, we're going to see that with one of the commanders as well, that I'm just like, I, I don't like that you're doing this, like, Magic the Gathering, look at your opponent's stuff and have, uh, you know, knowledge or info, information knowledge of car, or card knowledge. Um, I, I don't like that they're starting to introduce that in the game. I think that's one of the things I, I liked about this is it's like, you don't know what I have if I have cards in my hand. Uh, you don't know what they are. You don't know where I can use them. But that this gives, in my opinion, a feel bad effect to this game. Uh, luckily, I don't think this guy's very good, so I don't think he's going to see enough play for it to matter. Uh, and this guy I, is not as bad as the other one that we're going to talk about eventually. Yeah, I think uh, this guy would be interesting. Like I said, I'm optimistic that uh, he might be kind of cool to throw in there, but five points is hefty. Um, people are still so used to their four-point and three-point NCUs from the days of old that Four point or sorry, five points is a hard sell sometimes, um, especially when the a lot of people still love running three NCUs and you know there's so many great four point NCUs that why spend more points than you have to? Just take three four pointers, spend the minimum you can, and then start focusing on your combat units. So five point units or five point. Uh, NCUs really have to kind of be over the top, in my opinion. I know you get to return one previously destroyed felony attachment, but Greyjoy units rarely ever die, at least for me. I, I shouldn't say rarely ever die, like I've never lost a unit, but what I'm getting at is that my my units with attachments in them, I'm usually doing whatever I can to heal those units, and the units that die end up having no attachments in them, so uh, maybe that's just me. Maybe then again, you know, he'll be uh, amazing uh, to run if you run a Victorian three-point uh, attachment with Relentless, um, you know, to get him back and put him in a unit, uh, especially if, like, you have a unit with Asha and Carl for one point each, and then you put him in, them, in with them because he ignores the attachment limits. That could be a little crazy, but I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, next up and last up for NCUs, we have Baron Blacktide, Blind Baron, uh, Zeal of the Drowned God. Baron may only influence Greyjoy units. Uh, while influencing a friendly unit, that unit only suffers one wound for every two unblocked hits from any attack or effect. Remove him, uh, his influence if that unit fails at panic. Um, at first, I really didn't like him. Uh, but the more I think about it, and as long as you build your list with like a great... Um, morale unit uh, or even just above average morale unit I think he he's going to be amazing at five points just for the fact that you know I'm so used to uh, chieftains with um, 
with uh, Free Folk, where it's an order, so I'm only doing it once. And even uh, Stagnites facing against them more uh, less so than actually using it myself, it being an order. Um, so getting around that is a little tricky, but it's doable. You know, you get around it only happening once. Being able to influence and it always happening as long as you pass your panic could be game-changing in my opinion. What do you think? I definitely agree. I think this is incredibly powerful. It will see play. Um, and I mean, even competitive play, I think it has that type of power and potential. When you go, okay, your effect only does, instead of six wounds to my fragile unit, it's only going to do three. Um, it, it's it's going to have an awful lot of value and a great joy. When you go that Reaver unit that's just hitting on twos and it's just tearing through my army and it basically can't die between the Greyjoy healing and this. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think uh, Asha one-point attachment is going to be, you know, the fact that she's already like an auto-include, she herself for one point makes this combo pull off easy on any unit. Yep. So what do you not want to die? And that's what it's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. You know, what unit is Asha in? Okay. Oh, you have some extra points and you wanted to run two-point Carl on a different unit? Okay, now I have two units on different sides of the battlefield where Baron can influence either either spot, and now the unit is basically unkillable, and I have a ton of healing. You know, it ha with how much healing Greyjoys have and this effect – you better you're better off not even attacking them you're better off taking your action to run away and get away i shouldn't even say that i'm sorry i mean he's just going to influence a different unit i mean he is that ridiculously good in my opinion based on just looking at him granted yes you, you could always fail that panic test i can't tell you how many times i've seen asha player asha one point attachment players fail that war cry on a five up like it's probably I've I've seen it fail so many times it's way above average. Uh but that's it's also just, hard to say you know, when she's in every single list. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. And you know but still it's I think it's more so just about Asha. Like if you want to build your list in such a way to really make your five points out of this guy and really help drive it home to make this ability amazing awesome. I think really it's just the fact that Asha is one point and will make this ability um, way too strong. So, yep. you know, I, you know, because a lot of my lists already have three, four point NCUs, I might end up just, you know, taking him, pay 13 points, you know, just reduce a point somewhere in my list. You know, I'll probably run Eric, Wendemir, and Blacktide. Uh, and then go from there. You know, usually my third NCU is either like Tycho or Harlaw, um, but, you know, Tycho is amazing, but uh, having this ability, if I have like Asha or some other great morale unit, I mean, in my opinion, it would be better than having Tycho, even for one point less. Or heck, you know, take out Wendemir, you know, even though I love Windermere, his versatility is amazing. But you could take out Windermere and keep Tycho in there and put Black Tide. Like, 
I think that's the hardest thing when making my list is just the NCUs are so great in Greyjoys combined with the great uh, neutral ones. So uh, we'll kind of end it there on the NCUs so we can wrap up uh, the show with the last two uh, things to talk about, which are the two commanders. So as usual with the commanders, I'm going to read the commander card and all their tactics cards and then talk about it as a whole. So the first one I want to talk about is Baylor Blacktide, Lord of the Blacktide. He has the order to the last. Uh, when this unit would be destroyed, this unit performs one morale test, and on its success, it is not destroyed, but remains to play with one wound, then becomes panicked and vulnerable, and he is hardened, arguably the best ability in the entire game. Uh, each time this unit, uh, each time an enemy performs an attack, so ranged or melee, on this unit, after rolling defense dice, this unit blocks one hit, additional one hit, for each of its destroyed ranks. Um, his first card is Lash Out. After an enemy completes a melee attack, if the defender was uh, not destroyed, the attacker suffers two wounds for each of the defender's destroyed ranks. The defender is Bale or Blacktide's unit. The attacker also becomes panicked. He has Blacktide Resentment. Start of any turn, attach this card to a friendly combat unit. If this unit ever restores wounds, remove this card. When this unit is performing a melee attack for each of its destroyed ranks, choose one. This attack gains plus one to hit and plus one attack die for each of the unit's destroyed ranks. And this attack gains vicious and if the defender fails their panic test, they suffer plus one wound for each of the unit's destroyed ranks. Then lastly, as Black Tide Conviction, when a friendly unit performs a melee test after rolling defense dice, this unit gains plus one to the roll for each of their destroyed ranks, an additional plus one for each destroyed rank among all enemies they are engaged with. Uh, great commander. Um, I'd put him, you know, just in a first impression, I'd put him somewhere like um, in the middle of the pack of all the commanders, but probably more towards the higher end of the middle. Um, Hardened is amazing. Uh, Order to the Last is just kind of okay, uh, but uh, depending on what morale you put him with, but uh, from what they made it sound like, uh, to the last might just lose the Panicked and Vulnerable token and stay the same otherwise, uh, but we'll have to see if that's true. If that is true, then this, he'll his value will boost quite a bit, in my opinion. Um, cars are all strong. Lash Out, uh, who is it? Gray, uh, Gray Worm that has Lash Out uh, for uh, Targaryens? I'm pretty sure also uh, Great John Umber has it. Yeah, and this card, I think, is uh, great. Um, Black Tide Resentment, I like it. Uh, I like how interesting it is, you know, being, not ever being able to restore wounds on the unit is really cool. It might even give some uh, some uh, merit to wanting to run um, uh, the Makoro uh, for his supply aid because then you can um, put this card on his unit for that insight. Uh, granted, you'll already have Vicious with the one ability, um, but... Uh, but still, it's if you're if you can't heal the unit anyways, then you know supply aid it up over to other units from that unit, and then um, you know just get all these buffs. Uh, but I think it's an interesting card. Uh, I think it's fair and it's really a uh, cool uh, dynamic. And then um, the Black Tide Conviction, I think it, it could be really awesome, especially if you have like 
um, an iron maker unit and your opponent has like two opponent like two units engaged with it and you're just like okay I'll throw this card out there and get like a plus five or something to my panic test um, but yeah overall I, I like him a lot uh, what do you what are your thoughts on Baylor uh, I agree I think he's really good um, I think you're going to see a lot of silenced men with him because I think the black tide resentment and he himself will work pretty well with them uh I mean, the Black Tide Conviction can work with his to the last if you really want to, but I, I think Silencemen are going to be the best for him. Uh, the Black Tide Chosen, uh, it, it kind of sucks because I feel like they don't fit him that well, actually. Um, a little bit, but not anything crazy, you know, anything great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I mean, the Black Tide Resentment for the Vicious onto even Reaper or Reavers, giving them Sundering and Vicious and extra damage. There's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things here. I I'll, I'll echo you. I don't think he is going to be the top of the Greyjoys commanders, but he's really nice, and I think people will enjoy playing with him. Agreed. Uh, I can't wait to try him out. Hardened. You know, especially for a faction that heals so much, uh, you know, that can kind of, especially, you know, let's just say you put them in some Iron Makers and you influence them with, like, Asha or something. Now you got some guys that are 2-up save, 5-up morale, uh, and uh, minus 1 to damage with Hardened and to the last, like, <laughs> you know, it, good luck killing it, and it's only 7 points to do all that. I mean, granted, you're investing a 4-point NCU to influence, but... Um, like on the table itself is just seven points. Uh, but I think, yeah, he'll, uh, he'll be really fun and interesting to try out. And then lastly, Dag- Dagmir, uh, Clefjaw, Master at Arms. He has martial training, so that's where uh, when performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, you re-roll attack dice and the defender becomes vulnerable. And he has gang up. All friendly units, melee attacks, gain plus one to hit, plus one die on enemies that are engaged with this unit and at least one other friendly unit. His first uh, attack card is Lust for Glory. Start of any turn, attach this card to an unfriendly combat unit until the end of the round. While attached, this unit counts as having two pillage tokens and its melee attacks gain plus one to hit. Also, while attached, this unit suffers minus one to defense dice rolls. Then he has Knowledge Paid in Iron start of any turn, you may discard two pillage tokens from one friendly unit. If you do, choose one. Return one tax card from your hand, uh, from your discard pile to your hand, or look at your opponent's hand of tactics cards and discard one card. And then lastly, he has coordination tactics. So the same one that the free folks have, uh, free folk tactics deck has, start of any turn, target two friendly unit uh, infantry units in short range of each other until the end of the turn, both units gain any abilities on the other unit. You may immediately trigger one unused start of turn order on either of those units. So I'm going to say it right here. I think Dagmir is going to be uh, tied for Busted. best commander. <laughs> Busted. I think that's the word you're looking for. <laughs> He's going to be tied for best commander with Victorian is, is my um, prediction. And that's just because Victorian has so many free attacks that it gets a little crazy. Um, but yes, I I know what you're saying. Like 
Lust for Glory, uh, start of any turn. So start of your opponent's turn. Oh, you're about to swing on my Iron Makers. Let's uh, make them a three-up defense. Plus two All for having two privilege. start of any turn. Yeah. So it's literally my turn, your turn, doesn't matter. I, I have six cards of my 20 cards that are start of any turn to just get them out there and then draw more cards. Um, but with Lust for Glory, you, you could be like, oh, you're about to attack my Iron Maker. Like, obviously, you have to declare this card first, but the obvious choice, oh, you're going to attack my Iron Makers? Let's, uh, let's give them plus two to defense, minus one because of the cards, so you're at a three-up. Um, and now they're hitting on twos with, uh, um, with Critical Blow for the rest of the round. Um, you can then gain pillage, so you uh, won't be able to... the end of the turn for coordination. No, talking I'm about talking for glory? for glory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this one's to the end of the round. Um, so it ca- makes you count as two pillage. So the what you do is start of the turn, use it on them. They count as being a two-up save, minus one, so three-up save, hitting on two's critical blow. Then when you go to activate them, you swing with potentially seven dice, hitting on, uh, hitting on twos with critical blow, getting some real pillage tokens, because this lets you count as two, but I don't believe it actually um, prevents you from gaining any pillage, meaning that now that you have real pillage, you can then use your other cards to remove those pillage to do effects while all, all the while still counting as having two pillage tokens. Now, I am, just for clarification, going to bring up the pillage mechanic and see if maybe I am incorrect about that. I don't think you are. Uh, It says, may have up to two pillage tokens at any time. So, I mean, it does say unit counts as having two pillage tokens. So, to err on the side of caution, I am going to just say that I'm pretty sure this means you can't gain any pillage while this card is on you. Um, But that might be FAQ'd. Because that would be a little... I guess that would be a downside to it, but it already has a downside, a minus one defense. This is definitely his... This card is amazing, but it's definitely his weakest card. Um, Going on to Knowledge, Paid, and Iron, I'll let you kind of take this one off because I know you kind of alluded to it a little earlier. Yeah. So I know you have to pay two pillage tokens to do it. I really hate, though, that it allows you to look at your opponent's hand so you have perfect hand knowledge unless they draw more cards and then discard a card as well. So you can pretty much figure out exactly what they wanted to do with their turn by seeing their things, and it's the start of any turn activation. So you could do it at the very start of a round and be like, okay, I know exactly what the cards are in your hand, and I can plan accordingly now with this card, or because of this card. I hate that they're going to give that ability. I also hate that they're giving it to a Greyjoy. This is like a Lannister effect. Why the hell would the Greyjoys have something like this? <laughs> um, it, it's, I think it's borderline busted to be able to have perfect knowledge of my opponent's hand. Uh, a lot of times how they're playing their turnout, you can kind of guess what they have in their hand, but this will remove any doubt. It's, it's stupid good. Uh, even the other effect of just going to get a card out of your discard pile, I would say that's fair because you're getting rid of the pillage. Uh, 
Um, but seeing my opponent, my opponent's hand is crazy good. Do not underestimate how powerful that is. Um, it, it's, it can be game changing just on its own when you see, oh crap, they got the cards to do a great combo. Well, now I know about it. I can try and avoid it. It's, it's stupid good. It really is. Well, not, not only that, but you go, okay, I'm going to take the letters. Oh, you have five cards? All right. Do you have a start of turn? No. All right. Let me see all five of those. Oh, I right, know now that you're going to try to do this card to do this, this card to do that. This is the key card that makes all those other cards work. Let's discard that one. And now, good luck. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely know what you're getting at. So I know a lot of people that listen to the show have never played, like, a card game before. And to be totally honest, I've barely played Magic in high school. Really, it was just uh, the Dragon Ball Z uh, card game made by Panini that me and Spencer both played quite a bit. We played it pretty extensively, drove all over the country, and played in top tournaments for it. And so being able to look at your opponent's hand and discard a card, let's just put it this way, set one of that game had uh, a card that did that. And all the way until the game died and even in like the afterlife rendition of it that's still like fan-made going on, three copies of that card is still like auto-include. Like that is how strong that effect is in a card game. It's extreme, like random discard, like um, – like, looking at the hand of Ram discard, I think, would have been a lot more fair because you still get to look at the whole hand, um, and but it's random which one's going out, um, and you're paying two pillage to do all that. Like, you're, it's not only random, but you're paying two pillage to then get the hand, look at the hand. I think that would have been a lot more fair, but I definitely see where you're coming from with that. But then to jump over to the last card, combination with this one is return one tax card from your discard pile to your hand. So many great cards. We do not sow uh, a bunch of other ones that you could do, but then you could also return coordination tactics to your hand. Uh, Free Folk, coordination tactics is very strong, but for Free Folk, I feel like they did a lot of careful play testing with that card and I think it's fair. Uh, I haven't been able to make it busted. Like I've been able to make it really strong, but not like busted. But I think in Greyjoys, I mean, maybe I'm speaking too soon, but I think with Greyjoys, it will be busted uh, because you can have things like Asha and Carl in the same unit, in a unit with all these other things. And you have to think that it's all abilities. So your pillage effects, if you transfer over uh, all the effects of one pillage plus Carl plus Asha plus their abilities over to another unit that already has two pillage, they're gaining like like eight effects. Like, I don't know, eight, but like six. You're getting Warcry. You're getting um, Expert Duelist. You're getting uh, the five-up morale. You're getting... Um, two stacks of pillage effects, you're getting whatever other ability they had, and then you're combining it all to another unit and their abilities. Like, it is going to be insane. This card is the number one card in all of Greyjoy's hands down. What do you think? Yeah, this this card is going to create some stupid turns 
that you're going to have to, as a, an opponent, have to weather. Uh, and if you're against them, or if you're playing as the Greyjoys, you're going to love it every time you see this card. Because there's so much you can do with this. Uh, like you alluded to, or like you said, we already see Asha all the time. Now imagine basically for one turn, there's two of them. And a Carl as well. And it, it's going to get, I think, out of control stupid. And all this isn't even taken into account that he actually has a pretty good commander himself. Martial training to a unit. I mean, martial training just in a unit of Reavers with, and gang up for something else if you need to. Th- this guy's got everything. He's got three great cards, a strong commander. He can kind of go with anything. I, uh, yeah. Yep. I don't see downsides. I see this guy is better than Victarion. But I do get what you're saying with Victarion. Getting... Having four cards that can replace a tactic zone with a free attack is really darn good. Plus, because you always have them. No. Yeah. There, there's so much you can get out of Victorion, but this guy's right there with him. I would actually give because my play style isn't quite as aggressive as Victorion is. This would suit my play style better. Um, I don't play Greyjoys though, so I'm just kind of going to have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think. I put them on equal grounds just because I feel like they just do they they just do things differently. Like they do their crazy craziness differently, and so maybe it's too early to tell. But that's that's just kind of our prediction. So anyone kind of like taking this whole episode as we wrap this big old doom and gloom, it's it's just our first thoughts. Um, I really believe that uh, most of it will flesh out. Most of it won't be, I think. Uh, most of it won't be as good as we think. Some of it will, um, but as Simon has already said, they're looking to do you know patches every six to twelve months, which I think is awesome. Uh, that um, you know it, it'll get looked at. So, the best thing you can do. Report your games on, uh, like, A Song of Ice Fire stats. Um, you know, play the stuff that you think is maybe busted or too not very good. And, you know, maybe submit some, uh, like, write-up battle reports. Um, you may not have, like, the equipment to do a, like, a video battle report, but maybe, like, a write-up. Because I know Simon actually looks at those. And they'll take into consideration, you know, what you used, how you played, and, you know, um, and maybe you know maybe they might not see it, but a play tester that they have will see it, and they'll read it, and they'll be like, hmm, I wonder how legit this is, and then they'll play it, and maybe that uh, the higher ups uh, like Fabio and uh, Michael will see it that way. But um, yeah, I think there's just a, a handful of things that are seem way too good, handful of things that just don't seem like they kind of fit, but overall. Overall, out of everything we talked about, I am excited. I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm excited about the Bears, the City Watch. Um, I'm excited about just all the Greyjoy stuff. Even if it sounded like I'm, I'm just like ah, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this stuff. They just don't seem. They seem clearly not as good as other options. I'm still excited because I like variety. I like mixing things up. That was one of my favorite things about the 2021 uh, update, was that it was like a fresh breath of, you know, air of uh, list building. You know, I got to, like, 
it was like I was coming fresh into the game and I got to really experiment with new things to, you know, play test. And so coming, uh, you know, with the Silence Men coming, because I haven't gotten those yet, the Black Tide and a Hero Box, especially for my Greyjoys, that's a lot of stuff to throw in there for me to really mix it up, especially because uh, a lot of my list ends up being very similar. I haven't really dived into a lot of the neutral stuff with uh, Greyjoys. I kind of, I really like staying Greyjoy um, for the most part when I'm playing Greyjoys. They just um, seem to work better in my opinion. Um, a lot of the neutral stuff as far as units don't seem to like mesh super well. Um, Hedge Knights is one thing I definitely really want to try because out of all the neutral stuff, they definitely are like the number one thing that uh, seems to somewhat mesh well with them. So we'll see. But, you know, again, I want to leave it off with you know, it may seem like doom and gloom, especially, you know, us uh, ending with Dagmir Clefjaw, like the number one, I think, concerning thing of everything we talked about. Um, but we'll have to see, you know. Uh, we Some of you guys don't really like our, like, prediction stuff, but a lot of you do. Um, so that's why we try to, you know, we try not to make every episode about that, if that makes sense. While... Uh, doing our best to appease, uh, you know, everyone the best we can. Um, and But for those that don't really care for, like, our, our takes, um, like, um, about this stuff when it's a little too, like, one-sided, um, you know, that's why I want to leave you guys with just the fact that, you know, this is just our, our, our first take, and, you know, we're optimistic that, that we're wrong. You know, we're not going to go into it just be like, oh, well, it's busted and, um you know, we're not even going to try it. Uh, we're gonna, we're not going to change our mind. We're, you know, me and Spencer, we play quite a bit, and we ex- extensively test a lot of the stuff. We, uh, we, most of our games are all semi-competitive, meaning, you know, we try to make things competitive while always including new stuff in there. You know, we're always running different commanders and different attachments, and different units, while still, while still trying to make it competitive so that it, it's accurate in our playtesting. Because obviously you just run like a casual whatever list, and then it may not seem like it's as legit of a test um, when you're testing new things out. So that's why our favorite way to play usually is, uh, is semi-competitive. So, but we'll leave it there that we're running short on time. I don't know how where all the time went. You know, It was just two of us, and there was only a handful of things to talk about. So... But I appreciate all you guys for listening in as long as you did. I want to thank you, Spencer, for coming on to talk to me about this stuff. No, it's been a while. That said, uh, check out our new schedule. Check us out on Facebook and Discord. And I will talk to you guys all on the next one. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.